Welcome to the Gilmore Gals podcast. We are obviously amateurs, so please bear with us through the first few episodes as we were finding our footing. After that, we got proper mics and the sound quality improved drastically. Thanks for listening. Copper boom. Hello, dragonflies. Welcome to the Gilmore Gals podcast, where we take a deep dive into each episode of the beloved show. We're your hosts, Sarah and Ani. We're huge Gilmore Girls fans, and we're besties. In this podcast, we talk about everything Gilmore, from the pop culture references to the tiniest minutia only a true Gilmore nerd would care about. Copper boom! Hello, welcome back, Dragonflies. Today, we are doing Season 1, Episode 4, The Deer Hunters, written by Amy Sherman Palladino and Jed Seidel. Directed by Alan Meyerson. Sarah, I didn't even ask you. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Shall we jump into our synopsis? <laughs> yes, let's do okay. it. Okay. This episode aired on October 26, 2000, which would have been my future hubby. His 18th birthday, Rory receives her first D grade at Chilton. She is devastated and begins to doubt her ability to succeed at the school. Lorelai attends a parent-teacher conference with Rory's headmaster and meets Max Medina, Rory's English teacher. And we start to see a potential new relationship brewing there. Later, Rory studies so hard for a Shakespeare test that she oversleeps and misses it. And worse, on her way to school, she hits a deer with her car. Or rather, the deer hits her. Let's jump into our fast facts. First of all, the name of the episode is a reference to The Deer Hunter, a 1978 movie that was an epic war drama. The only thing the two have in common, as far as I can tell, is something that the movie's producer said about how it was, quote, about how individuals respond to pressure. So there's a lot of that going on in this episode. And different people obviously react very differently. A person can only take so much pressure until they explode, like a soda bottle that's been overly shaken. However, the manifestation of that explosion is what differs from person to person. And that's my psych note for the week. Interesting. Well, next up, in this episode, we see multiple stressors stacking up inside Rory, from a bad grade on a paper, to obnoxious schoolmates, to missing an important test due to circumstances outside her control. Eventually, to reference another Gilmore Girls episode, tick, 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 boom. And finally, we are introduced in this episode to Max Medina, played by mm. Scott Cohen. <laughs> I was first introduced to Scott Cohen as Wolf in the miniseries The Tenth Kingdom. This came out my senior year of high school in 2000, and I was obsessed at the time, especially with Wolf. Oh, I had such a crush on him. Oh my god. No guarantee that it still holds up. Um, but it was about a father and daughter from modern day, well, 20 plus years ago, New York, who got transported to the fairy tale world and hilarity ensues. <laughs> um, actually, actually, it was kind of scary and dark from what I remember. Um, and the cast was really good. It included Kimberly Williams from Father of the Bride, John Larroquette, Ed O'Neill, and Diane Weist. 
If you're interested in checking it out, you can stream it on a few platforms, including Roku, Pluto, and Freebie, and you can also buy it on Amazon. That sounds very compelling. It was. It was at the time. I, you know, I want to check it out if I can find, you know, if I can get a hold of it. I'd love to see it and, you know, see it again for the nostalgia factor, at least, and see if it still holds up. I don't know. So this Scott Cohen, what was 20 years ago? Hold on a second. That was right around the same time as the Gilmore It was 2000. Yeah. So it was, yeah. So it must have been right after he did this. He must have gotten Gilmore Girls. And he plays a wolf? He's like half wolf half human <laughs> he's a werewolf you know <laughs> not exactly <laughs> he's like the big bad wolf but he's oh. half human mm-hmm. let's move on to the recap <laughs> all right <laughs> all right so this episode starts with the girls shopping for school supplies and my question is what store is it they're Obviously, in Stars Hollow, you can tell from the background, the backdrop there. But what storefront are they using? Do you have any? You know what? Do you want to know what? I looked into this like years ago. And in my memory, what I determined was that it's the same uh, space as Luke's Diner. And then I was like, wait a second. They couldn't have done that for the same show. So I think maybe it's Dozy's Market. I was wondering if it was maybe Dozy's. Yeah. I think it might be. Which, you know, we haven't seen yet right right the interior of yeah. so it's just a one time we never see this this you know school supply store again office supply store so i think it was that that practical on the set they used the same one as taylor Dozie's store Mini top. well so they're shopping for school supplies and to lorelei's chagrin rory needs quote serious school supplies not pretty stuff with like festive colors which is of course what lorelei would buy and also what i would buy me too. <laughs> I love shopping for school supplies and I'm totally with Lorelai. Even in college as a 30-something, I had my cutesy Disney princess pencil bag that you gave me. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Yeah, I'm totally like, do you remember, like you're, we're the same age, you remember Lisa Frank? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I love Lisa Frank. And she was totally dorky at the time. Like if you brought that to school, which I totally did, everyone like made fun of you. But Looking back at it now, stuff is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's like making a resurgence too, you know, because everything like 90s is coming back. So yeah, yes. And a lot of the 90s crap is just awful. But the Lisa Frank? Oh, I'm 100% mm-hmm. bored. Yeah. Oh, I loved Lisa Frank back in the day too. Oh. Hey, you know, she should be paying us for all these free promos. For Okay, for those of you chillins out there who have no idea what we're talking about, Google Lisa Frank. Okay, I still have stickers of her stuff, which I have now passed on to my daughter. Oh my gosh, I used to have a binder, I had a pencil pouch, I had all the things. And then like, there was um there was a 90s night at Disneyland uh, a few years ago, and I bought a Lisa Frank sweater to wear to that, of course. <laughs> I remember you buying that, you were so excited. Oh, it's just lovely. All right. Moving on. Um, Okay, next. After we see Rory run back onto the bus three times, we are in class with her and we meet Max Medina, Rory's English teacher. We see that Rory got her first D probably of her whole life. While rewatching it again, I noticed Rory's expectant face as he was about to hand it back to her and then just watch it fall 
as she gets it back from him and oh, oh it just kind of broke my heart and I commend yeah. her for not bursting into tears right then and there because I probably would have oh I 100% would have or like shock and then been like wandering around like a like a zombie for the rest of the day like I can't believe this happened mm -hmm. moving on here is my hot take as I mentioned before and I'm telling you again I can't stand Max Medina <laughs> Okay, so now let, let me be clear. This is not the actor Scott Cohen, who I think does a perfectly fine job with the material he's given. I've seen the actor in other things, and he's and he's great. He was on Maisel, right? And, um, you know, he's great. But remember how I mentioned that usually when I'm doing my own rewatch, I will skip season one altogether. I'll just start on season two. Yeah. Yes. So one of the main reasons is that I find the character of Max Medina so annoying. Now, if you were to ask me, What's so bad about him? I could not tell you. I have no idea. I was <laughs> I was going to ask. I'm like, why? Like, I don't find him annoying. I actually find him like he actually seems like he cares about his students. Mm -hmm. And in terms of, you know, the relationship that, you know, develops with Lorelai, like I thought he was one of the better suitors for her. Interesting. Yeah. I really, I think it might have something to do with the fact that like, you know, it's the same writers writing for every single different character. And sometimes they'll use, they'll write for a person in the voice that another character would use. And it doesn't seem to fit that character. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes he's trying too hard to be funny or like, I don't know, things just don't work. But I will note that as I'm getting older, I like him more. So it must be that thing about like him being you know, being deep down, just like a decent guy. I think that, yeah. that's starting to, you know, warm me up on him. Maybe you, maybe high school was just so traumatic for you, you know. <laughs> but <just> maybe. Like... <laughs> well, speaking of traumatic high school experiences, in this scene, Mr. Medina begins to discuss their upcoming Shakespeare exam that's going to count for 20% of their grade for the semester. Which is completely crazy. How can one one exam count for so much also isn't this like the second month of the year how do they even have time to cover enough material for this huge exam yeah i i know that that is pretty crazy especially for like i mean i know it's a prep school but that still seems really Insane. ridiculous i mean i've had finals be worth 20 percent of a grade right but not just an exam well unfortunately paris who i believe was sitting directly in front of rory sees the d and she and her lackeys give her a hard time about it on the way out the door although poor madeline didn't know what they were doing she's like what, <laughs> what? i don't know what we're talking about <laughs> As they leave the classroom, Tristan then accosts Rory in the hall again, and he once again calls her Mary. He wonders why they can't be friends, suggesting that it's probably because he makes her nervous. But Rory replies, I think it's because you can't learn my name. And Tristan continues to mansplain Rory's feelings towards him, telling her that he thinks she likes him, but she just doesn't know how to say it. Ugh. As he retreats following her request to leave her alone, which he says, please just leave me alone, he calls her Mary again <laughs> that's, all, that's, all, that's all we can say that's all there is Ugh. back at the independence inn drella is wheeling her giant harper around and she runs into michelle who calls her stupid blind and clumsy and drella replies well at least i'm not french 
And this, of course, leads to several back and forth insults, including Michelle trying to fire Drala. I wish we could just play the whole scene because the two of them just crack me up. <laughs> it is very well done. <laughs> and then in the kitchen, Suki, who has a green and a pink band-aid today, and Lorelai start to read a big review about uh, Suki's cooking in a magazine called Four Star Dining, which does not appear to be a real magazine in case anyone was wondering. Well, thank you for looking that up. Yeah. So this review, to anyone else who's listening, it seems to be a rave review. But to Suki the perfectionist, she can only focus on the risotto that he called fine. And we can see that she's very disappointed. Lorelei wants to go out and celebrate, but Suki says she needs to get started on a shopping list. And Rory says, I can't have to study. Wah, wah. Which is a famous meme or gif or jif, however you want to say it, um, <laughs> and one that I have used many a time to send to Ani when I was in school myself. Yeah. Rory is trying to study while Lorelai is being super distracting and immature. She's trying to talk Rory into stopping her studying and going to get ice cream instead. And Rory jokingly tells her mother, Lorelai, go to your room. I think it's weird that Rory is studying at the kitchen table at all because she has a perfectly good desk in her room with a door that closes and she knows how immature her mother is she's going to be bothering her every two seconds and i wanted to mention by the way i'm just curious did you ever study like in the living room in the middle of all the chaos with your two younger brothers and stuff no no right you go to your room yeah right yeah okay just checking all right and so i wanted to note that at eight minutes and 36 seconds lorelei says the word promish and she pronounces it with that weird sound that she uses whenever she says the word amazing. She says promise. <laughs> so when I saw that you had added this little bit to, you know, to the script here, I paid attention and I did hear it this time. But I mean, I, Ani, I had to close my eyes and like really listen to hear it. <laughs> but I heard it. <laughs> Funny. Next, we see Rory enter Kim's Antiques, where a Marco Polo game unfolds as Rory tries to find Lane, because the antique shop is even fuller than usual due to a big sale that they're having. Rory sneaks Lane a contraband Snickers bar when she sees her eating nothing but a horrible rice cake. Rory begins to tell Lane that she's missing Stars Hollow, and we see, and hear in her voice, some of the stress that she's beginning to feel. Mrs. Kim clocks the candy bar and asks, what's this? To which Rory says, oh, that's mine. And Mrs. Kim replies with this week's Mrs. Kim quote of the day. That is chocolate covered death. <laughs> <laughs> and Rory responds with a creamy caramel surprise. I, can I just say Snickers ice cream bar? Have you ever had one? Oh, my God. Those are it's so amazing. good. Okay, Snickers, if you're listening, you should send us some free ice cream bars is all I'm saying. Lane tells Rory that the new kid, who is, they're talking about Dean, was asking about her, and he just wanted to know where Rory was, and Lane told him that, that Rory just was too smart for them, and she just had to go to the genius school. Apparently, Dean liked that, and Lane concluded that he must be into brainy chicks. Mm -hmm. Rory responds that she'll keep an eye out for one poor kid. 
Back at the inn, Lorelai stops Drella from playing Black Sabbath on the harp and also puts the kibosh on any Steely Dan, Boston, or Queen songs, which kind of surprised me personally, but I guess she was trying to be professional. I'm guessing a place like that would be kind of snooty and would want, like, only classical music. Yeah. Well, Drella responds, I am the arty Shaw of harpists, so I had to look into it, and I'm shocked I never did before. This is our deep dive on Artie Shaw. So apparently he was a major influencer in the big band scene. So it was like the first half of the 20th century. And he was the composer of a song called Begin the Begin, which if you recall, the song Sebastian sings in The Little Mermaid, remember Under the Sea? It has a line that says, when the sardine begin the begin, it's music to me. And it's referencing that song by Artie Shaw. That's so cool. I never knew that. So cool. Very cool. Yeah, very exciting. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but Sarah and I are huge Little Mermaid fans. Huge. <laughs> one of the, I think one of the first things we really bonded over, actually. Uh-huh. Artie Shaw also has a notable quote that I think applies to Drala. According to swingstreetradio.org, Shaw was a perfectionist who openly despised his fans as, quote, tasteless jitterbugs that would dance to the beat of a windshield wiper. And he once told a New York Times reporter that he thought he could play his audience whatever he wanted because he was the Artie Shaw. But, quote, all they wanted to hear was begin the begin. Very interesting, which of course I had to look it up and hear the song, which you can do easily on the Google machine. How How is the song? Is it very it interesting? It feels kind of like a slow, jazzy song from back then. Like, I don't believe it's a, well, here's the thing. They wanted to, they would be able to dance to it, right? Theoretically, mm-hmm. but it's not like a super fast, up-tempo, um, like big band type song. So I was okay. underwhelmed by it, to be, to be fair, but I'm not a music connoisseur. So, you know. Okay. Moving on, Lorelai enters the inn's kitchen, and Suki is still brooding over the review. She's very distracted and not paying attention at all to any of Lorelai's ramblings. She didn't even make coffee! (gasps) (laughs) She's distraught by the fact that the critic called her risotto fine, her magic risotto that she claims helped her mother live an additional three years. Well, Jackson comes in and informs her that he doesn't have exactly what she ordered. And he's expecting, of course, a huge blow-up reaction. But instead, Suki's like, yeah, whatever. And Jackson is understandably shook. (laughs) And he reacts with, did anyone else feel the shift in the space-time continuum? And Lorelai informs Jackson that the reviewer didn't like the risotto and asks him to cheer her up. And his solution to this is to tell her that the huckleberry crop is going to suck this year. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems that both he and Suki are bad at the, at the cheering up. Yes, <laughs> yes they are. <laughs> They're so funny. Lorelai arrives at the parent-teacher meeting with uh you know max medina and she of course makes a huge entrance because she's late and she's loud and she trips over a globe and then she quips what in the world (laughs) i thought that was so funny (laughs) and of course max medina walks over to her right away and introduces himself and then lorelei wanders over to get some coffee of course but it tastes so awful (laughs) and we know she's a coffee snob that she exclaims Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the camel. <laughs> Which I had never heard that expression. Is that a thing? Do people say that? I've never heard it. I mean, I've heard Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, but I've never heard yeah. and the camel. <laughs> <laughs> but she just keeps, like, interrupting the, the proceedings, you know? Like, she's just so, I don't know. She's so clueless. 
All the parents are obviously considerably older than Lorelai and super snobby and rude. And one of the ladies says, oh, that's the one who voted for scrunchies. <laughs> and another one says, must be a scholarship student. <laughs> Max decides to call for a break uh, wisely and meets up with Lorelai at the chalkboard to chit chat. And he's obviously smitten with her from the beginning. Mm -hmm. We learn that it's been Lorelai's dream for Rory to go to Harvard since Rory was a baby. And during this conversation, Max tells Lorelai that she got a D on a paper and Lorelai didn't know about it. Rory didn't tell her, you know, so she's obviously shocked. And she goes straight home to Rory, knowing that such a bad grade would mean she's not feeling great. In the next scene, we see Rory studying at Luke's diner, obviously frustrated, flinging a pencil. And Luke brings her a pie because he says that she looked like she needs it. Which I thought was really sweet. Lorelai then arrives and um, Rory begins to open up about her difficulties at Chilton and how much harder it is than she thought it was going to be. Lorelai asks why Rory didn't confide in her about the D. And when Rory tells her that it's because it was too humiliating, Lorelai responds with, You once told me you loved Saved by the Bell. What could be more humiliating than that? I loved Saved by the Bell. <laughs> I loved Saved by the Bell. <laughs> There's nothing yeah. humiliating about that. <laughs> Absolutely not. So a side note here, high school was probably the most stressful time of my life other than becoming a parent, which is, you know, amazing but horrible. I don't think I ever got lower than an A- minus on a paper because I worked my ass off and I took all honors in AP classes. But in order to accomplish that, I was always, always stressed out and overwhelmed. Like I had a panic attack at one point. And I have vowed to never push my kid that hard and of course yeah I wanted to take challenging classes in high school because I don't want her to just kind of like skate through and never learn anything but I want her I want to encourage her like after high school to go to community college and take her time and just enjoy being young and not having a ton of responsibility and then transfer to a university I think it's just such a better way to go it's much more affordable it's way less stressful um, I don't know about most colleges, but like my university was on the quarter system. So it was like 10 weeks a quarter versus community colleges are usually semester, which is nice and long, you know, like you take your time. There's a lot less pressure. And I feel like, you know, you have the rest of your life to be a grown up. So why not extend your youth a little bit more? I don't know. What do you think? No, I totally agree with that. And um, I actually had a kind of a similar conversation with my niece um Danica just the other day um she's 15 and she's already had her first job she was working at a movie theater in um, her small town and I asked if she was still working there and and she said no and that she was you know looking for something else but it needed to be within walking distance and you know she was having a hard time finding something and I was like you know you're 15 like you have the whole rest of your life to work like just enjoy your summers while you can you know thank god i'm so old <laughs> well, does she have to work or is she just doing it to help you know pitch in i i think just yeah just for her you know like it's not like she has to you know and and that was you know the same thing like i started working when i was 14 <gasps> because i wanted yeah you could work at 14 in, in Michigan in, in some in some jobs. But I did it because I wanted to, because I wanted a computer. You know, this was the early days of the interwebs. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I wanted a computer. And and so, you know, I, I got a job and, um, you know, I, I don't regret it. You know, it was really, it was really cool. And, you know, I, I, I felt very grown up and it, you know, gave me a lot of responsibility to 
Mm. And, and a lot of made me proud to be able to, you know, make this big purchase myself. Yeah. But you well, what know, did but you do at 14? What was the job? I worked at an ice cream, um, at an ice cream parlor. Oh, I didn't know that was when you were so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aww. I would get yeah. so fat. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Oh man, did you get free ice cream or did, or did I did? That's why I got so fat. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds like a great job. Did you have to wear like the silly little like soda jerk ice cream or uh, outfit? I mean, I did not. No, oh, um, I did have to wear an apron. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was you know it, it was a good job and it was it was fun. My boss was a psycho. Um, she was horrible. Oh. She's very mean. But overall, you know, I I enjoyed it. I didn't have my first job till I was eighteen. And I was out of high school because, you know, my job was to get good grades and go to college, of course. Right. So I, I worked at a hotel front desk during mm -hmm. the summer before college started. And as soon as I was like, okay, college is about to start. I'm done. So I think I worked there for a total of maybe like two months. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to work anymore. Bye. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good experience. And it taught me that I don't ever want to work front desk at a hotel. I've, I've done that too. It's, it's a lot to all oh. you hotel front desk workers. Yes, we are grateful to you. All right. Well, moving on. Mm -hmm. um, next up, we see Rory studying on a bench at school when Paris comes up behind her, reciting from memory part of Shakespeare's sonnet 116, let me not to the marriage of true minds, and then saying, you're going down. Yeah, she's awful. I just want to like, I wish Rory would just turn around and slap her. I know. Suki is furiously making batch after batch of risotto. She's made like, I don't know, dozens of different recipes trying to see like which which one of these it could be possibly better than hers, right? And she figures out who the waiter was who served the food critic and she comedically grills him and she's trying to figure out who the critic was. Like, how can she find him? In the next scene, we see the girls at home and they're studying for the Shakespeare exam and eating junk food. And we actually see them eat a few things. We see a couple chips go in their mouths. Mm -hmm. Indeed. <laughs> and we see the night begin to get later and later as they continue studying. So can I just say, memorizing a bunch of names and dates of when things were published is such a lame thing to make somebody learn. It doesn't actually teach you anything. And Chilton is supposed to be this like great school, like college prep. Where's the critical thinking skills versus, you know, like rote memorization? Oh, I know. And so many of my college professors would say this very thing. And mm -hmm. so like they wouldn't want us to have to stress over like exact dates and names for the most part. And it was very refreshing. Oh. You know, like sometimes they would even give us like, you know, like keys with like some of the like my chemistry teacher, for example, like a lot of the equations and stuff so that we didn't have to try to remember all of these ridiculous equations. Oh. She would have those equations mm -hmm. like as part of a key on the exam so that we could just focus on the material. And that was because yeah. the point is not to memorize the stupid equation, which you can look up at any time. The point is to know which equation do I need to use in this situation? Right. I love that. So you went to college recently. So maybe since, you know, 20 years ago versus like now, maybe, maybe, I don't know, professors are doing things differently. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying about like, about Zoe and how like, you know, you want her to kind of take her time with, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully going to like community college first. Um, my niece Danica was mentioning she wants to take a gap year. And, you know, there's so much 
pressure, I think, for kids to jump right into college. But if you don't really know what you want to do, there's no point in it. Right. You know, right. I mean, maybe community college just to get, you know, like some of the GE stuff out of the way. But yeah. Does Danica have the opportunity to to travel during the gap year at all? Potentially. Um, <laughs> here's my plan for her is mm-hmm. to, <laughs> I was like, you come live in California with Aunt Sarah and Uncle Mikey mm-hmm. and establish residence. And I think that once you're a resident for a year here, then you qualify for the, uh, we in California, you get free community college education. Oh my um, gosh. So that really? We'd get, mm-hmm, yeah. That's amazing. Love California. Can I tell you? <laughs> I, I just think like coming from such a small town, you need to get out of that. You know, yeah. if you want to end up back there, that's fine. But you need to get out of that small mm-hmm. town and you need to see other parts of the country, other mm-hmm. parts of the world. Um, it's just I think it's it's so important for people to, you know, to just to just see how other people live and to you know, be exposed to other cultures and and other types of people, because otherwise, when you're in a small town, that's all you know, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's great. And, you know, travel, because it exposes you to so many things that are novel to you that you've never encountered, it actually produces a lot of what's called neurogenesis. So creating new neurons in the brain. And so you're actually getting smarter as you experience new things. You know, so if she can, I think that would be amazing. Very cool. Uh, So next we see that Rory has fallen asleep at the kitchen table with Lorelai. And when she wakes up in the morning, she realizes that she has overslept and missed her bus. Which means she's not going to make it in time for first period, which is, you know, the exam, unless her mom drives her. And Lorelai remembers that she can't drive Rory to school because she has a meeting. And so Lorelai sends Rory off to drive to school on her own. But she's not 16 yet. Mm -hmm. But I guess desperate times call for desperate measures. Yeah, and maybe in small towns they might let it slide. I don't know. I don't know. Roy calls Lane from the car on the world's oldest cell phone. It's a flip phone, you guys. Talk about old tech alert. And she asks Lane if she left some notes at her house. And while she's on the phone, Rory gets hit by a deer. Like, A deer literally runs into the car while it's stopped at a stop sign. And if you've been listening from the beginning, you know that I'm from Michigan originally. And let me tell you about deer. (laughs) (laughs) My grandparents had a deer jump on top of their car as they were going down the road and it continued running. I don't know how that happened. Um, And then one time when I was in middle school, my dad was actually in a really bad accident with a deer. It completely damaged the entire passenger side of his car, like from the passenger mirror all the way like to the back. And it was a, it was a Ford Bronco. So it was a good sized car. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then my mom and I had kind of a similar situation to Rory where we were driving my friend home at night and she lived out on this like dirt road that was wooded and we were going pretty slow and this deer kind of like came out and we kind of like ran into each other um, and <laughs> then it, it ran off. And um, so this caused me to do a shallow dive, a light splash, if you will, on <laughs> on deer accidents. 
And it turns out that there are around a million and a half deer car accidents every year, and they cause more than a billion dollars in damage. A billion with a B. A billion with a B. God, they're a menace to society. (laughs) When you were living in Arkansas, did you guys have any situations with deer? Well, I saw more deer than I ever thought I would see in my lifetime. Um, mm-hmm. I never had like a run-in with one, but um, when I did have to drive at night, which was rare, the roads were very, oh, how do I say this nicely? Rural. And so <laughs> there was like, you had to dark. Drive. <laughs> yes, it was very dark. There's no lights anywhere. And you had to drive really carefully and look out on the sides of the road for the flash of light in their eyes. Because usually you can see that before anything else. And so like, I, I just, I don't like to drive at night in general, but especially knowing that a deer could jump out, you know, and there were no shoulders on any of these rural backcountry roads. It was just like the road you're on has two lanes, one for that way, one for this way. And on the side is just a ditch. So if your car rolls, like goes off road, that's it. You're dead. You're rolling into a ditch and you're dead. <laughs> so it was terrifying. Oh my God. Shout out to Arkansas. Hey, thank you for sharing your deer stories. You're welcome. So Rory finally arrives to school. She's 15 minutes late, which is not that insane. You know, it's probably a 45, 50 minute class, but Mr. Medina refuses to let her sit for the exam. And Rory goes on a rampage and she begins yelling at both Tristan and Paris. She's just completely bubbled over. Yes. Yeah. She's just talk about a shaken up bottle of soda. She's losing it. And I find this rant really amazing and really well acted on Alexis Bledel's part. She says to Paris, after the latter makes a nasty comment, of course, she says, what the hell is wrong with you that you have this constant need to be the biggest jerk in the entire world? Which I loved. And then she goes on to say, what's up, Quippy? Nothing to to say or something like that. And and then to Tristan, she gets in his face and she's like, and for the last time, the name is Rory. The whole thing is just like, oh, man. And and you know, like, you know, Medina probably had a hard time getting everybody to calm down after that, too. (laughs) You know what I forgot to do, which I'm going to go back and do, is watch Medina's face as this is happening. Did you get a look at him at all? You know what? I didn't really. Yeah, I didn't. I was too busy watching her, you know, she was so good. So that wraps up and we're back at the end and we see that Suki is super excited jumping up and down because she solved the mystery of the magic risotto. It turns out that the food critic had ordered the wrong wine to go with his meal and that changes the flavor of the food. So can I just say, I know nothing about wine. I am not a connoisseur. However, the one that he ordered was a Riesling, which, you know, even I know enough to know that that's a dessert wine. So that means that it's super sweet. And I know that because it's one of the only wines that I will actually drink is a dessert wine. But you would think that a food critic would know not to drink a Riesling with his meal, right? You would think so. And I love how, like, Suki is, like, mad at the waiter, you know. Yeah, a place like like the Independence Inn would have a sommelier, you know, someone who, like, knows wine. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Jackson then enters with some zucchini and Suki says, too small, take him away. And then just turns and, <laughs> and, and walks away. And Suki's back. Yeah, baby. And Jackson's like to Laura, like, he goes, you know, you still have to pay for these, right? And she's like, yeah. 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 
And then um, Lorelai gets called to the school after Rory's outburst, and we experience our first instance of Mama Bear Lorelai. So both Max Medina and the headmaster are waiting for her in the latter's office, and Lorelai begins to defend Rory, but Charleston rudely cuts her off with a lengthy list of excuses that he's heard over the years. Mama Bear Lorelai says this snotty little school nurtures horrible kids who treat each other like mortal enemies and that their standards and expectations are too extreme. She also refers to Chilton as a rotting stodgy rat hole. <laughs> and then she calls Charleston Il Duce, which is a, a nickname for Mussolini, the Italian dictator. And Charleston condescendingly calls Lorelai's rant a manic fit and then confirms that yes, Chilton does set impossible standards which foster highly competitive students. And he continues by saying that if she can't handle it, Rory doesn't have to be there. And she doesn't have to go to Harvard. And I want to slap him until he cries. Yeah, I, I felt like yeah. he was way out of line. Totally yeah. sexist, too. Yeah, manic fit. At least mm -hmm. he didn't say hysterical. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> After the ordeal inside the office, we see the girl sitting outside on a bench outside of the office. And they're just both kind of processing i think everything that's happened and lorelei just says you got hit by a deer and then we can see them outside the school looking at the damage to lorelei's car and she says you did you got hit by a deer you couldn't just run into a wall like other kids <laughs> I, I ran into a wall once <laughs> oh i'm sorry was it, it was very, it was very slow no it wasn't bad at all i was um at my aunt's house and i was um, I think I was like 16 so I was still kind of learning how to drive and I was backing up and I just kind of like briefly tapped the um, neighbor's garage wall. Ah, did you leave a mark? I don't remember. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna, that's what I'm telling myself. Oh, all right, good. Uh, in the next scene, we see that Suki has shown up at the food critic's house with a new plate of risotto and the correct wine. And she also informs him that the chicken he's currently cooking has too much salt. <laughs> Which she can tell just by smelling it. Just by smelling it, yes. That's amazing. So Suki stands with her back facing the door because she's not supposed to see the guy. So I looked into this and apparently some publications or media outlets prefer that their food credits remain anonymous so they can give more impartial reviews and so they don't get any special treatment. That totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. I can, yeah, I can totally see that. And here, the food critic, who, even though we don't ever see his face, but we hear his voice, he is played by Daniel Graves and he's been on a ton of shows as a minor character. So on the drive home, Rory yells for Lorelai to stop the car when they get to a, an intersection where the deer hit her. And the girls get out of the car to see if they can find it in case the deer is injured. On the walk, Lorelai begins to start a tough conversation with Rory about how maybe Chilton isn't right for her after all. And if so, that would be okay. And Lorelai wants to make sure that the whole Harvard dream really belongs to Rory. You know, that it didn't come from Lorelai, that it wasn't something Lorelai drilled into her. But Rory is very determined. She confirms that Harvard is her dream and that she's not ready to give it up yet. She says, I can catch up. I will catch up. I thought this was very mature of her, especially at such a young age. As we've mentioned, I started college again at the age of 30, and it was hard. Um, a few years in, I became a full-time college student, and it, I realized that the current path I was on wasn't the right one for me, and it was awful. And I ultimately found the right path, thanks in part to Ani, yeah. who helped me, but it was so hard 
to accept that, you know, I had spent all this time and energy in kind of the wrong field. And Rory was just so strong at this young age to just continue pushing and to know, to know herself that well. Yeah, she's pretty special. So I don't remember how I helped you, but I'm glad that I did. Yay. <laughs> was this when you decided to do environmental science? Mm -hmm. It was because when we went and did the um, penguin encounter at the aquarium and you were just kind of like talking to the people and you were like, oh, what's your degree in? And they it said environmental science and policy. And so that was kind of like how I kind of started to think about it. And so, yeah, it was just really like you just kind of like asking questions to people. And Aww. you realize that you work with animals without necessarily having to have a marine biology degree. Is that what happened? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. I'm very glad I was there for that. So I just want to throw it out there that Rory is very special. She's real determined. She's got her head on straight. And then what happens to her later on? Where does all of that drive go? Where does it go? Right out the window. And you know who I blame? I blame Logan. Same. Stupid mm -hmm. Logan. I love Matt Sucre. Don't get me wrong. The actor's great, but I can't stand Logan. So the girls arrive home and Lorelai discovers a voice message on her answering machine <laughs> from Mr. Medina that quickly turns a little bit inappropriate. It starts off fine with him saying that Headmaster Charleston agreed to let Rory do extra credit to catch up. Great. Mm -hmm. More work for someone who's already behind. Mm -hmm. um, and But that he believes that it will help her get back to where she rightly belongs. He's a supportive teacher and you can tell that he cares about his students. But then... He begins talking to Lorelai in the message, and he says that he enjoyed meeting her and he hopes to see her again. Ugh. Yeah, I was kind of like, yeah. oh, that's not the uh, right place for that. Not at all. But, you know, Lorelai seems pleased. She does. Well, everybody, that was season one, episode four, The Deer Hunters. Tune in next time for Cinnamon's Wake, and I am going to have lots to talk about on that one. Because it's all about cats? Because it's all about cats. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. Copper boom! Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share with your friends. If you have any questions or comments, if you feel like we left anything out or got anything wrong, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at the Gilmore Gals Pod. And we also have a Facebook page. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Copper boom! Boom!